What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Grabs Podcast. If you're listening to this, you probably already know what we do here. But in case you stumbled in here or this is the first time you're hearing one, our goal here is simple, is to highlight our wins and learn as much as we can from actual fire ground rescues in the hope of making us all a little smarter and a little bit more effective and efficient on our fire grounds. Our guest today is Austin Beyer from formerly of the Wadena, Minnesota Fire Department, who has an incredibly powerful story to share with us. Welcome to the show, Austin. I'm stoked to get to jam with you today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, your journey, your experience, and then the department that you were just on? So I've been or was on Wadena for just short of four years. Um, started back in August of 2017. Um, so got on the department just because it was something I really wanted to do and really ended up falling in love with it very, very quickly. Um, not too long after I started on the department, I uh, actually started uh, apprentice instructing with Central Lakes College um, and have moved up and started working with them, getting my certifications, learning, you know, from that aspect as well. And I think it's helped keep me pretty fresh on stuff. Um, so I've been with Central Lakes College as an instructor for about two years. So um, then with the department, um, we only run paid on call department. We only run about 60 to 70 calls a year. Um, I mean, so we get paged out and it's can be a little bit before we can actually get on scene because we have to respond to the hall and all that. So um, uh, I don't know what else here. So Wadena, tell me a little bit about the, the area around Wadena. Um, I'm, I'm familiar with it. Um, I got to meet Austin a couple of years ago at Central Lakes College, um, who is a, a great college and is doing really good things. But tell me a little bit about Wadena. Is it, uh, it's obviously a little bit more rural. Um, how yep. much area do you guys cover and what kind of calls do you guys typically go on in a year? Um, so, yeah, it's a rural department population of Wadena itself is only about uh, 4,400 people. Um, the coverage area, I believe, is probably only about 150 square miles. So it's a pretty small coverage area compared to some of the other departments in that area. And how um, many members are on the department? 20. Okay. So it's been 20 since I've been on, so... And then you guys got one station or do you guys got two stations? We have two stations. We have a, there's actually railroad tracks that run right in the middle of town. It's pretty, uh, pretty busy set of tracks. It's a main line. So north side of the tracks is three trucks, six people. And then south side of the tracks, there is seven and seven rigs and 14 people. Okay. 
So I think this is important. The reason I want to highlight this and just kind of just uh, describe the demos of your department here is as we get into the actual tactics and tasks that were performed, I think this might be surprising to some people. Um, some people might see the tactics that you do that you guys employed here to be more of a bigger city, more of an urban uh, set of, of maneuvers. But it can be done by anybody. And that's one of the things that I want to highlight today. This story is incredibly powerful. I've uh, been fortunate enough to have been following this since the night that it happened. I got a text from Austin um, and I'm really excited to share this story. When, when we're talking about Wadena here, can you tell us a little bit about kind of the search culture within your department? meaning who typically searches and how many crews are searching um, and, 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 and to build off that kind of a second part of this question, I'm, I'm obviously interested in the product of, of, of what we do, but I think more importantly, I'm interested in the process. So how often do you guys train on search as well? So with the search culture of the department, it's, uh, I think it was, uh, it's been building over the, the time that I've been on. Um, it seems like search has been prioritized a little bit more um, over the last four years that I was on. And uh, I mean, it was, it was a lot of the time it was a very dependent search on what we actually had and stuff like that. I mean, for a lot of our structures, we have a lot of you know, barns and sheds and stuff like that. Um, we still have a fair amount of residential structures, but um, it was it, it was really dependent on the situation. I guess would be a big way to put it. Meaning, kind of the conditions and the occupancy and your resources, or what is what was it? What is it dependent on? I it, I think occupancy was and just kind of our resources is a big one. I mean, paid on call department, you never know what you're going to have for people. Um, I think one nice thing, and this is plays big into this story is uh, Wadena runs, Wadena County runs a uh, auto aid. So any sort of structure fire or anything of that sort, they're paging multiple departments at one time. Okay. So any call in the whole county, you're getting multiple agencies getting toned out to this, right? Yes. As it, for structure fires, yes. Okay. Uh, and, and just backtracking just a touch, what does your, your training look like for search, like in a typical year? We probably trained on search probably two, three times a year. Um, we had a new chief come in here a year and a half, two years ago, and it seems to have stepped up. We were doing it probably once, maybe twice a year. And now we're doing it, you know, three, four or five times a year. So it's, it's stepping up from what it was in the past. And it's just, you know, one of them things that is starting to show that it's, needs to be trained on more. Yeah, and, and I think this, what we're gonna talk about here is is definitely gonna highlight that, but two to three times a year and trending in the right direction, that's that's better than a lot of departments. Mm -hmm. Obviously, always room for improvement. 
Austin, can you tell us, uh, and this is what I'm most excited about, can you tell us a little bit about the rescue that you made? Um, what time of day was it? Um, how many crews were on scene? What was it dispatched as? Were there reports of victims? Uh, all kind of the nuts and bolts of this. Yeah, um, so it was April 7th. It was about 9.45 in the evening. Um, got paged out. Um, dispatch, like I brought up before, when it, when it got toned out, it was both the department on the town where it was, which was Verndale, and then we were mutual aid to them. And so it was paged out, both pages toned at the same time. Um, so as soon as they were paged, we were paged at the same time. Um, it was, it's about a, I want to say it's about eight miles over there. Um, it was paged out as a structure fire and that there was still a one-year-old upstairs. So when our pagers went off, it we knew that there was still, a, that there was a victim inside. Um, so when we responded here, um, I don't know how the hell it happened, but we had four people at the hall. I'm probably five, six blocks away from the fire hall. We had four people there and in route in probably 90 seconds from the time page went off. That's awesome. Um, to put it into perspective a little bit here, that eight mile run across to Burndale, we were only about a half a mile behind the ambulance who was paged out at the same time. And they are staffed 24 seven. Are they in Verndale or where are they at? They're, they're based out of Wadena. So they were coming the same way we were. Okay, gotcha. But we were we were only about a half a mile behind them running down highway the highway and then showing up on scene. So I think from what I recall, I think it was like probably 10 or 12 minutes from the time Paige went off to the time our first truck showed on scene, which is the truck that I was in. Okay. Who else was on scene when you got there? So Verndale had mo uh, quite a few rigs on scene already um i think they probably almost cleared out their hall they already actually had people inside searching when we showed up um but i kind of just got out of the truck i was packed up i knew there was victims so i actually threw my mask on and i was ready getting out of the truck um I, there was a ladder, right? There was a, a window right above the front door and there was actually a ladder thrown and come to find out it was the homeowner that homeowner's ladder that she and one of the Ferndale guys that showed up on scene in his personal vehicle got put up there. So, um, there was a couple guys inside. I was standing at the base of the ladder and 
one of the officers of Berndale looked at me and he said, why don't you go up and go help search? So I went in, I went up the ladder in through that bedroom window on that second story on the alpha side there. And as I came in the window, I could faintly make out two of the Verndale guys kind of off to be the Delta side of that room. So I decided that I would go to the left and I started searching that bedroom and I found the bed in the bedroom, which was last known place where she was and started searching all that wasn't having any luck so kind of made my way up onto the bed and started making my sweep visibility was pretty shitty still you probably couldn't see more than six eight inches in front of your face um but i happened to hit something as i was doing my sweep with my hands and i kind of looked up and i had my flashlight on and I could just make out a hand. That was all I could make out. And come to find out, she was actually off of the side of the bed and kind of tucked up in there. But the only thing that was on the bed was her hand. So at that point, called it out that I had a victim. And from aftermath, of talking about it, found out that one of the Verndale guys, when I came in the window, he actually got right behind me and started kind of doing a secondary sweep behind me. And so as soon as I was able to get her out of that spot where she was, I was able to turn around and hand her off so we could get her out of that, that room. So when you guys showed up on scene, two-story single-family house, is that correct? Two-story single-family, yes. And what were the conditions like? Could you see fire coming out anywhere or smoke coming out anywhere? There was smoke um, actually out of that alpha side bedroom window. Out of the open bedroom window, right? Yes. And where did the fire start? It sounds like it was actually in that bedroom. Was that that bedroom that front alpha side bedroom. So it, and, and mom and grandma were in there before, like one, when 945 at night, Elena's in bed sleeping. Elena is the one-year-old who just turns two today. Um, Elena's in her bedroom sleeping. Mom and grandma yep. are in the house as well. Right. And they hear, was it smoke alarms that, that keyed them in that something was going on? I think that's what it was. Um, I know I've, talk to grandma a little bit but um there was some pretty good smoke coming down the stairwell too okay um they were they weren't too far away from from my understanding they weren't too far away from the stairwell so i think it was it might have been smoke alarms but it also might have been uh uh just the smoke coming smoke, down that yeah. stairwell so mom makes a couple attempts to get into that room and is pushed back due to heat. Uh, so she makes a couple attempts, can't make it, gets burned herself, comes outside, throws a ladder. Is that correct? 
grandma was actually the one that threw the ladder grandma threw the ladder okay grandma threw um, the ladder um but yes mom ma- did make multiple attempts um to get up to that room and then someone assumedly called 911 pretty quick uh, as well. yes grandma called 911 as soon as they got outside okay so we have so, a fire that's on the second story, more or less contained to her bedroom at the time. Is that accurate yes. when you guys showed up? Yes. Okay. Was there fire in that bedroom that you that you saw? I did just not. Smoke? I think it was, I think at that time, I think it was mostly knocked down. So when I went up the ladder, um, there was actually a hose line sitting in that window. Um so I think it was a it was a one of those deals that your attack was happening the same time search was and it was all in the same room so So it was a very hectic situation so initially and maybe we don't know the answer to this initially they threw the ladder did they throw the line up and knock down the fire before they entered that window or was it they entered the window and then somebody brought the line up and and knocked down the fire i I think it was a little bit of both, to be okay. honest. Kind of simultaneous. I think, they had a, I think they had a few people go in the front door and up the stairwell, but I think they also sent a few people up the ladder. So a lot of this pre-stuff happened before I got there. Sure. You know, being that 10 minutes and stuff, a lot of stuff happens in that short amount of time. Oh, yeah. So, from my aspect of it, I'm not 100% sure. Okay. Um, so, you get up there. Visibility is is pretty low. Uh, like you said, yep. six to eight inches in front of your face. I want to highlight something that you said. So, you're searching the bed. Don't find anything. And you decide, I'm going to get on this bed and make sure I clear this bed properly so you get up on top of that bed you find her hand was she kind of wedged between like the wall and the edge of her bed is that kind of where she was has she kind of fallen off a little bit i don't know if she fell off or if she just tried to move herself because i i'm completely in the mindset that she was trying to do what she could do to get out of that smoke so i think she wedged herself in that position to try to help alleviate that okay and is that that, correct where she's kind of tucked in between like the side of the bed and the wall is that kind of where she was yeah there was there was a gap there so okay that's i think that's something that that a lot of people are are highlighting now and i think this is a a really good example of making sure that we clear that bed you know a a one-year-old with some covers and a couple pillows or some stuffed animals on there i'm sure uh, all of us could miss somebody if we don't just slow down for a second and make sure that we clear that bed properly. So kudos to you. Mm-hmm. Like you said, all it was is just a little hand that you end up seeing initially that clued you in that, that Elena's in there. Well, and it was, it was even more than that too, just because I was doing my sweeps with my hands too. And I, I just happened to bump it and I was like, okay, this isn't right. So I kind of got up closer and that's when I noticed her hand. And that was, that was my telltale of, we have found her. We just need to get her out. There's a lot of a lot of gold to mine in this one, and I'm and I'm really excited about this one because 
some of the questions that I that I like to ask here, you you already kind of alluded to initially. One of them is being if you have reports of victims traps, does that change anything for your your mindset personally? And then maybe more broadly, your department's mindset. Uh, and, and one thing that you mentioned, and I don't know if this is something that you always do or just when you hear reports of victims, but you had your mask on before you stepped out of the rig. So in route, you had your air turned on, you had your mask on. I don't know if your regulator was clipped in quite yet, but you're you're ready to go to work and you're, you're uh, your reflex time from getting out of that rig to getting ready to do work was pretty much zero. Um, is that something that you typically do is, is put your mask on or is that something that this was kind of a, a special circumstance? In all honesty, it's, it's not the first time it actually mm -hmm. with the guys that are masking up in their, in the rig from that's on the south side of, of Wadena. Um, a lot of guys will mask up in route. Um, kind of just preparing. Yeah. Because that's a four-man truck. So you, a lot of the times we are just, but we are masking in route. But at the same time, I've also stepped back from that over time because of, 360s and being able to actually understand a little bit more what you have when you get on scene. And in this situation, it was a no questions asked. I'm masking up and I'm going to be ready when I get out of this truck in case she hasn't been found, you know, because from that time that the pager went off and we got to the hall and in route and Brendel got on scene we didn't know when we got on scene, we didn't know if she was found yet or what. So I wanted to be fully prepared to go in and assist with that search. I appreciate all the forethought that, that went into this for you because, and I love this discussion, you know, do you, do you mask up and route or not? And, and there's pros and cons to both. Um, but I think in this specific instance, I think, and hindsight is, is 2020, obviously, but I think you did the right thing. Oftentimes it can take people, you know, 30 seconds or maybe even more to mask up. And who knows yep. what the end result might be if, if we had to wait 30 extra seconds or if Elena had to wait 30 extra seconds to be found and removed. Um, and we're going to talk about how Elena's doing um, in a second. But before we get there, what's, what's one lesson that you learned from this fire that you'd like to pass on to our listeners? I've learned, I actually learned a lot from this and I look back on this whole fire quite often. Um, searching is when you're training is completely different than when you're actually under that full adrenaline rush and everything like that. I look back at it and I think some of the steps that I know to do went out the window, but at the same time, it's just training on search is so important. And that's, that's probably one of the biggest things that I learned off of it was just keeping very proactive with it. 
I think that's a really good good uh, thing to highlight. Um, and I know I'm I'm guilty of this, but sometimes we all kind of fall into ruts. Like, oh, I know how to do that. I know how to throw a ladder. I know how to stretch a line. And mm-hmm. and in all honesty, we probably do, but we're not training with the stress of a one year old trapped inside. I I haven't had that call yet, but I can only imagine how how crazy yep. that's going to be when you hear that either on scene or before you get there. And even though I try to mentally prepare for that, I can only imagine how big of a curveball that's going to throw and what that's going to do to my heart rate and my, you know, the auditory exclusion and the, the, the visual narrowing and all these other secondary physiological effects that come with hearing that, that one sentence. Yep. And that's, that's just, it is, is the, the stress and adrenaline and everything especially when you hear the pager go off and it specifically says something like that, it changes your full outlook on the call. 100%. I mean, my mindset was her. That was it. I like that. I really like that statement right there. You know, that that's kind of what it's all about, right? We, we preach about being there for them and, and being able to put yourself back in that position and being like, yeah, everything I did, I did for her. That's got to let you sleep a little bit uh, more soundly at night. Yep. Has this fire changed your mindset towards the job or, or maybe more importantly, how you train or how you search? So I think it, it's changed my mindset for the job, but I think it's changed it for the better. I mean, I've been so passionate about fire service since I first got on. And I think it's just built that passion because never in my wildest thoughts did I ever think that, you know, oh, three and a half years in, you're going to have a grab yourself. You know, that's, that's just, that never ran through my mind, especially being on a, mutual aid call yeah so kind of just fortified your your feelings even more so yes and your passion okay so let's talk about how elena's doing today like i i already mentioned it's her second birthday today i know you've been in contact with grandma how is elena doing she's doing phenomenal to be honest i mean a 22 month old being having third degree burns on 79% of her body. And we're 67 days after the fact, and she's just defying odds. I've, I've been following, there's a, there's a private Facebook page that I've been fortunate enough to, to be let in. And as I've been following Elena's progress and it is incredibly inspiring. It, it like, like you alluded to it, it fortifies your, your vision and your mindset about what you believe in this job and why we're here. But it also, it's incredibly powerful, but it's incredibly inspiring to see how tough this one-year-old now two-year-old girl is. Um, And anytime that I'm feeling sorry for myself or I'm feeling tired, I try to put a little picture of Elena in my head going, you know, what would Elena do right now? 
And I know she, she do another set. She do another rep. She, she dig deeper and, and work harder. And she's still trached. She's had a bunch of surgeries, but all things considering, like he said, 79% of her body had third degree burns. She's doing amazing right now. And I know mom had some burns and was out of or in the hospital for a while as well. But uh, I believe mom's out of the hospital and um, I think doing mom, pretty decent. Mom was only in the hospital for a couple days, maybe a week. Okay. Or so. I don't really recall, but I know it was, it was under two weeks that mom was in. So coming from a rural part of Minnesota, having to spend now, now we're at 67 days down in the cities. Like I said, multiple surgeries, two patients initially. This is not cheap for the family. Is there anything that we can do to help Elena and her family um, as the toughest little girl on the planet recovers? I know there is a Facebook donation page. I don't know if there's a way we could attach that or something. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to reach out to Grant and I'm going to do everything we can to make sure that we get that posted in the show notes. Um, so anyone who ends up listening to this, if you got $5 or $10 or $20, if you can help out at all, I know this family is in, is in need of this and this couldn't go to a better cause. I mean, this little girl is tougher than nails, um, but she's going to need all the help that she can get. Um, and as is her family to make sure that she can pull through. Um, so I'll make sure that that gets added to the show notes. Um, I'll also, if I post this on Facebook or, or anybody else does, I'll make sure that that a link to that page is in there as well. Is there anything else that you want to talk about, about Elena, about the call uh, before we kind of sign off here, Austin? I think I've pretty much covered just about everything from that night. Uh, there's, there's been, there's, there's a couple calls that will likely stick with me, uh, as long as my memory is there. And I think this one is one of them. Um, been fortunate enough to hear your perspective a couple times on this. So thank you for reaching out. Um, you know, Eli call, uh, where Eli did the VES himself, the big brother, and then oh, yep. just how tough Elena is. These ones are, are burnt into my memory. Um, and I'm, I'm more thankful or I'm very thankful that they are. Uh, I, just, I just want to say thank you uh, for sharing your experience with us, Austin. We really appreciate your time. For everyone listening, uh, if you or anyone else you know makes a grab, please go to firefighterrescuesurvey.com and fill out a quick survey. That's one survey per rescue. So we can all get a little bit smarter, better, and faster. And if you make a grab and want to share your experience with all of our listeners, please reach out to either Grant Schwalbe, Justin McWilliams, or myself, Nick Ledeen, and we'll try to record an episode. Thank you again, Austin, and for everyone else listening, take care. Thank you, Nick.